Well, Michigan State University's renowned College of Education has a new leader. It's Gerlando F.L. Jackson, who is also an MSU Foundation professor of education now that he's arrived at MSU. And it's a real treat to welcome him to the first time to MSU today. Welcome, Dean Jackson. Delighted to be here, and thank you for having me. Let's start a little bit with give uh, our listeners a little sense of who you are, just a little bit of your background leading up to your time now here in East Lansing. Sure. Uh, again, thank you for having me. Um, I have been at uh, land-grant institutions for 26 years now. Um, in the last 22 of those, I've been at uh, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where I started my uh, trajectory on the professoriate as an assistant professor there in the School of Education uh, in the Department of Education Leadership and Policy Analysis. Um, During my time there, I was fortunate enough to sort of move through the ranks as most faculty like to and um, ultimately became a full professor um, and then received a named professorship uh, about 12 years into my career. Um, and then uh, shortly thereafter, I launched my research laboratory, Wisconsin's Equity and Inclusion Laboratory, uh, which is a which is still going now uh, there. Um, but the work uh, looked largely at workforce diversity, workplace discrimination challenges. We sort of tackled uh, equity and inclusion issues at large in the scientific workforce, um, and we've ha- we held convenings across uh, the globe um, as well uh, as, as far as some of the research that uh, went on there. Um, concurrently, I um, was able to um, within that work, uh, take on some uh, interesting university service roles that uh, sort of brought my portfolio. Um, for about eight years, I sat on the uh, athletic board uh, at the university, uh, which is a shared governance entity uh, that provides uh, actual oversight for our athletic department and Uh, It was very enlightening um, and quite rewarding work to do. Um, The the last six of those eight years, I served as um, the chair of the Human Resource Committee, which uh, provided oversight to the hiring, to the annual reviews of the coaches. Um, And in those last six years, too, I was... um, uh, faculty uh, oversight for football, which meant I spent a considerable amount of time uh, with that staff, um, the coaches, the transition, the hiring, and the um, having sort of the responsibility for uh, student-athlete welfare component. So I, my role in the athletic board's role was not uh, for wins or losses, but to ensure that the welfare of the students was well um, taken care of on the field and off the field. And, and that that was a, a really nice experience. Uh, uh, toward the end of my uh, 22 years there, um, I was honored to receive a, a second honorific and had a awarded and endowed professorship 
um, and so I had the Dow Professor and Dow Professor uh, uh, Chair role. Those two, it was nice to to have that sort of distinction. Um, but most rewardingly was I took on the responsibility of being department chair, um, and that um, experience allowed me to uh, carry on in traditions of other department chairs uh, for uh, that came before me that provided uh, really solid stewardship, sound decision-making, uh, careful consideration for uh, what the future might bring. Um, and that was um, a really nice experience, and I'll full circle this. So... Um, in doing that uh, work as department chair, it reconnected me with an early career interest, and that was decanal work or the work of being a dean. Uh, my dissertation, ironically, studied education deans, and uh, a good bulk of the work I did in the very beginning of my career, I studied um, academic deans, particularly education deans, uh, the role and function of associate assistant deans and just the structuring of colleges of education. Um, but I abandoned that original interest of maybe being a dean just because I fell in love, fell in love with research, discovery, working with students, setting them on the pathway for their dreams. And quite frankly, it was hard to envision any job better than being a faculty member. Um, and, and so... Um, I didn't feel bad about initially abandoning my idea because I f fell in love with something that just seemed hard to compete with. Um, but once I took on the department chair role and recognized this re kind of reconnected with my original interest and some of my natural proclivities, um, I, I sort of sh I shifted my my vision back and and made that internal commitment. Well, Dr. Jackson, what an interesting background. And it sounds like you were very entrenched and valuable valuable in Madison. You mentioned the land-grant mission is important to you. What, what attracted you now to come to MSU? Sure. Um, well, I'll start right there. Um, you know, Michigan State really is the prototype for what land grants were built on and to sort of be at the epicenter for the commitment to the roles and functions that a state should um, give to its citizens from a post-secondary education opportunity just seems just seemed very opportune um, as well as the spirit of hard and hard work in nature of Michigan State. Um, as I was preparing uh, for my visits and my interviews and given the opportunity to read uh, and learn more about the history of this institution, um, what stood out uh, to me was th this hard working notion in the DNA. And when you, when you read and learn that it was a part of the original student's curriculum, that they actually worked every day as a part of going to school, um, you know, that long ago just shows that, uh, you know, this is a place that is hardworking about providing access, uh, but it's access to excellence. And, 
you know, Michigan State would be one of those, um, you know, jewel of institutions that um, has access points across the spectrum, but still puts you on an amazing arc toward excellence. Talk a little bit more, and I know it's like a father doesn't want to choose one child over another, but talk about some of the excellence in the College of Education at MSU. You know, that's that's another reason I showed up here because, um, you know, as you dig deep and you do a deep dive in the College of Education, it's um, an amazingly well-positioned college. Um, what stands out initially, I, I give I give you some top level and, and go a little further, but what stood out to me was as I was interviewing, and uh, I think even still to today, is the college had has five number one programs, another three in the top ten, but many were top five. Um, then there was a another one that's top fifteen, and then another one top twenty five. I mean, if you you look at that, that's very hard to replicate across the landscape to produce programs that are that competitive and highly regarded among their colleagues in that particular way. Um, you know, some of the, the areas that I'll say a little bit about, um, let me begin with spaces you may know less about. Um, it's often and unfortunately the case that um, some of our constituents may not realize that kinesiology is in education, and that is a top 25 program. Uh, I mean, it's uh, amazing, the spirit. Uh, when you think about a Spartan's will, all you got to do is go spend some time with them. And I was fortunate enough, just with the timing of this, is I, I was there for yesterday morning and going um, around and meeting and touring the facilities, the research laboratories. It is amazing that uh, in the College of Education, we have research. Um, we got wet labs, right? You don't think of a wet lab in a College of Education, but we have wet labs um, in the College of Education, not only in kinesiology, but also in Create for STEM. So we do have a very interesting footprint outside of the scope of education. But in kinesiology, they are conducting research on uh, motor skills, on babies, to our aging populations, um, to, um, you know, testing on mice as well. And it, these are not things that you typically would think of. And this is happening in kinesiology, along with athletic training and sports leadership that you would think of, but it is a an amazingly uh, robust uh, space there. And then, and then you have our usual, right, stuff, suspects that you hear about all the time. The, the college has, um, the we've got uh, highly regarded programs that teach, related to teaching education, um, having peer reviewed as number one for 28 years. You know, that is a significant distinction uh, that um, we all should be 
proud to be associated with because of the role and function that it plays. But we also are highly ranked in the department, uh, being ad admin that prepares principals, supervisors, superintendents, uh, leaders in higher education. Uh, we're highly regarded there as well. Curriculum and instruction falls within teacher education but has a unique footprint uh, to um, we do very well in rehabilitation psychology, counseling, um, and that it's highly regarded on a regular basis as well. Um, and then education psychology, education policy, um, we play a very important role in the state as it relates to the role and function with K-12 policy. Um, and that's a, a distinction that we uh, certainly uh, are proud of. And then, you know, special education um, is, is a gem of, of a, a, a contribution to schools, um, parents who are looking for strong partners and ensuring that their children are given a, as best a shot as possible, great opportunities in life. Uh, and we have those and a host of other areas um, that are mainstays. I should say that there are two other spaces that you might not typically um, associate with education that I've just been pleasantly uh, surprised. Um, and I shouldn't say two. But let me let me maybe do, let me give you three. Um, so the first is uh, urban education that. Um, you know, many decades ago, there was a, a College of Urban Affairs um, that at least had that focus area. And as that uh, college di disbanded, um, College of Education was one of the places where uh, that footprint uh, became uh, a very important space. And so we have a, a strong and growing area. Uh, there in urban education, which you might not typically think about um, for us. And then global uh, education is another, that the size and scope of projects that the college has across the world is amazing. Y you wouldn't know it easily uh, from the outside without paying special attention because the college has been pretty intentional about vertically integrating that emphasis across all programs. Um, and so you, the, the number of USAID grants that are coming into the college and that will um, appears to be an arc of excellence for us, amazing. Um, and then our partnerships, um, in STEM, in STEM education, unique relationships uh, with NatSci as an example, natural sciences. We have some joint centers, joint positions, joint efforts that um, it's just a really pleasant, um, you know, partnership that uh, strengthens both of our colleges in very unique ways. This is MSU Today. I'm Russ White talking with Gerlando Jackson, MSU's College of Education Dean. And a, a two-part question, uh, sir. Tell me a little bit more about your own research interests. I understand you're credited with coining the term organizational disparities, but also as a busy dean, will you even have time to still 
explore your research interests? Well, the I can the last question I can answer uh, much easier than the first, and that is I hope. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> yes, I um, have been I've conducted research that has looked at uh, um, what we think of as organizational disparities uh, broadly, in the sense that inherently. Uh, many, most organizations, uh, not all, um, do find themselves to have consistent set of disparities that groups have uh, been sort of subjected to across decades. And so um, my the projects that we've launched has looked at glass ceiling effects, for example, for women and people of color, where we've looked at upward mobility challenges um, in general, but particularly as it it take as it looks at breaking through the glass ceiling, and in, in what ways is it more difficult, and 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 what might be some mitigating factors um, to make it to those top positions, right? Um, we've also looked at hiring practices, whether they were equitable, are they taken into non-job-related factors, um, and so hiring practices um, in in higher education in general, we've looked at them in the science uh, domain, um, and we also have a project called a National Study in Collegiate Athletics, which looks at hiring practices in athletic departments. Um, and you probably thinking, well, why is that relevant? Um, you know, the hiring in many athletic departments and universities, for that fact, um, at the uppermost levels, search firms are how those hires are conducted. And that provides a, a layer of um, kind of like a buffering of information where you may not have a full understanding of who's considered um, or how one gets to the next stage. And so there's just a lot you don't know, right? That, um, I mean, I'm here through a search firm process and um, there's a lot, typically there's engagement among the college and there's some visibility at stages of the search process. But that's not always the case when you look at certain domains and athletics is, you know, oftentimes because the nature of how you, those hires have to occur, speed is of the essence, um, you know, stealth is of the essence. Um, and so having some sort of understanding that um, there's some equitable opportunities is, is, is fundamental to that particular uh, project. Yeah. I know you're just getting started, Dean Jackson, but have you thought about some short-term goals and then maybe some longer-term goals for the college? And I understand there's already a fabulous strategic planning process underway that you want to enhance. Uh, so just talk a little bit about your plans for the college. Sure. Um, you know, what, what, I, what I am prepared to talk about is... Um, and you've started it for me, that the institution has, you know, engaged in a strategic planning process, um, and all of the college, colleges have done likewise. And 
in our college is similar, um, and it's it's just sort of been staged in the sense that a good number of discussions occurred last year. Um, there's some planning documents in place. There's some ideation there, um, and we're right at the precipice of taking that and reconvening those groups to um, sort of solidify the College of Education implementation plan. What, what I will say is um, there's sort of some key aspects um, for how I'm thinking about uh, bringing leadership to the college and this wonderful opportunity in front of us of putting together our implementation plan in alignment with the greater strategic plan. And that is uh, first anchoring um, what the college does well. And, you know, just like there are anchor stores and malls, there's anchors too in, you know, important organizations. And in this one you have, um, you've got these top-rated academic programs that I spoke about. Like, those are anchors. Like, we've got to protect those. We've got to invest in those. And then I've also spoke about, um, you know, opportunities for those particular programs. But we've also got professors with important and critical, um, important and critical honorifics. Like, they're in the National Academies of Education, um, some in science of their particular fields, um, and their fellows in their you know critical research associations, and so those are individuals, um, and that's a space for which we want to continue to recruit individuals because that that's an anchor uh, for the college, and then we've got just some you know amazing high performing research centers and institutes. You know, that those forms the anchors for us, and they require protection, they re require investments. Um, then we have spaces we can optimize, right? You know, we, we've got a lot of number one programs, right? And the other ones may want to be number one too, right? And whether they get there or not is really not um, the, the, the main objective, but it is to ensure that all of our programs feel appropriately supported and um, feel well positioned to be competitive um, in the work that the faculty wants to do, but competitive for students, but also um, a source of pride for our alum uh, to be able to point to um, as well. Um, and then we've got just a number of opportunities to sort of reinforce our online master's programs that have been uh, well-received, well-regarded throughout the years. This college was one of the first to, to, to enter into that space. Um, and then uh, we've got these, and I mentioned a little bit about these interdisciplinary collaborations. Um, it's an area for us to potentially broaden because college of education that are interdisciplinary tends to create very robust uh, research partnerships, research outcomes, and then our students are the greatest beneficiaries um, for creating that sort of a, a culture uh, of environment there. Um, and then the college does have a history of being engaged in the communities. We've got an outstanding K-12 outreach unit 
um, and they are poised to uh, want to do more. And um, I think the institution would like to see the college um, engaged more broadly across the state and beyond. And we want to position ourselves uh, to be able to do that. Um, and then within um, our strategic plan and our discussions, we, we're going to identify some areas where we want to be first um, that will be new, um, that would uh, sort of aggregate um, where we're going um, and where we think we should be. Um, and, and that's the beauty of being able to pick this, pick this uh, planning process back up um, take stock of where we are, anchor the important pieces, optimize uh, opportunities to uh, sort of reinforce um, the other areas that we have going on in our college and desires, and then dream, right? Are there spaces where we can be first? And are there areas that education needs to be that is not quite there that will prepare um, this college uh, for the next 50 years or more. So um, that that's, you know, what's coming as we go into the fall semester. Um, faculty should be re-energized and ready to pick, pick it up again. Any particular, you started to answer, but challenges and opportunities along the way as you pursue these goals? Um, you know, I... I think our challenges, um, we'll have to be creative and, and understand how we're going to pay for uh, some of the efforts that we want to uh, do. Um, I imagine we'll have to be creative about program revenues. We'll probably have to be creative about fundraising development and, um, you know, and we'll have to develop a set of compelling arguments right, to senior leadership uh, to invest um, in this vision as well. And so, um, you, you know, I think that this, this college is poised. We've got individuals ready to act. And so um, this is going to be exciting. Great colleges don't rest on their laurels. They're always trying to get better. I can sense that from you. And, you know, one last question, Dean Jackson, more from your 30,000-foot view is an education in general. It could be something in K-12 or higher. I'm just wondering, what are you kind of hopeful about in our education future? And maybe is there something that keeps you up at night? Yeah. Well, there are a number of things keep me up at night. That I can, that I can tell you. Um, but... Um, let me start there. Um, you know, as we are managing much better our position in this pandemic, um, it, it, it has heightened some areas of weaknesses uh, that we, we've got to be prepared for. And not just in education, but just as a country, as a world. Um, and so there's there's going to be some economic fallout from COVID-19 for quite some time where we've got to find our economic footing again. Um, and there are large parts of education um, and schools and K-12 that they are not revenue centers. 
And so as the economy has taken a downturn, that means those public entities that rely on, you know, dollars that are coming from, you know, cities and governments and, and federal agencies um, w- will not have as they had in the past. And, um, you know, that's something we've got to figure out how to deal with, right? Because most of our schools, K-12 schools, are not revenue generating, right? They require uh, revenue to be inputted in them. And so that's uh, something we have to uh, understand. As colleges, you know, there's greater demands for us to be clear about career pathways for our graduates as we are trying to attract um, students who will become our alum, there are questions about where where are my career pathways and are they all solely in education? Are there pathways outside of education? Um, you know, what happens if I have a change in desirability? And is this, is this degree um, have value in the open marketplace? And just us being able to communicate that, create these interdisciplinary partnerships where the skill sets are transferable, clearly transferable um, in ways that our graduates can communicate, we can communicate is going to be really uh, important. Um, you know, also during the time frame of the pandemic, we, we did run through a time in our country where race uh, was kind of front and center. Um, and so many of our schools uh, – and organizations are still wrestling with and trying to understand how to sort of uh, be responsive to the racial climate that sort of bubbled up, not to suggest it wasn't there before, but it it became, you know, a top of mind, top of agenda items. Um, and as a college of education, you know, we are important uh, with, we're an important partner with our schools um, to be of assistance in how to manage that, right? To how do you get a handle of and understand the racial climate in your schools and how might you go about addressing that? And I think we'll be asked to do more of that. I think we're going to be asked to be role models of that, right? Not just say, hey, you do um, a, a job to respond to the parents and to communities uh, to address that. But as a college, we've, we've got to be in a position to say and show the ways in which we've done that um, as well. Um, and then also just to, um, you know, maybe speak to some degree about remote work. Um, so remote work is um, I think is a part of the way we do we're going to do business going forward, right? And um, with that being the case, um, education is a large employment sector uh, in in post secondary education, um, higher education, two year college, four year colleges, K twelve schools, private school, public schools. Like that is a large footprint that's going to be wrestling with remote learning, remote teaching, um, remote work. 
Um, and to the extent we can be an asset there uh, would be great. But we, too, have to understand how we're going to manage that that process as well. Um, so where all the hope is, the hope is in um, we've got amazing faculty, staff, and students. Um, we attract um we attract students that come from a full spectrum of backgrounds, a full spectrum of experiences, uh, and they get inside the College of Education uh, portal. And in that portal, uh, the, the, the direction and the destination is the same. They take you to... Um, help you realize the excellence in your education and career that you find most desirable with our support. And, and, and when you get inside this portal, it may be that we help you think about some pathways you didn't. Um, but, you know, once our students graduate and they become alum, they are part of the family, right? And we, we have a, we, we, we've got to have a constitution that um, it's important to us that once you're in the college of education family that, you know, you're in it. And, um, you know, so th that's what's really refreshing to me that um, in my short period of time, um, the college makes it work. The, the, the faculty, staff, and students, they make it work. They may not have all the right tools. They may not have all the right parts. But when they're done, it works. Um, and so I'm just so excited to, you know, be able to lead a group of um, individuals that can figure out how to make it work, even uh, in tough times like we've just gone through and in some cases still in. Um, but battle-tested, ready to go, and um, there's no better example of an uncommon will than coming to the College of Education. Spartans will, Dean Jackson. <laughs> it's been great to meet you and, and talk with you today. I really sense your passion for leading what's already a great college to its next great adventures. And uh, just as we close, summarize what you'd like those joining in on our conversation to, to know about you and the college moving forward. Well, um, if you haven't had a chance to look at the College of Education, I just, you know, say do look, look at what this college has done. You have a significant, tremendous crown jewel here um, that deserves some, you know, um, the recognition and support that it has warranted not only uh, locally but across the state. Um, and and the nation and globe, um, you know, there's some efforts in place so that we can ensure that um, you know the work that has gone into getting to this place in time uh, is secured, um, and that we're thinking very responsibly about the future with a keen eye toward uh, the beneficiaries being our graduates and the state 
in the localities that count on the College of Education to be a strong partner with them. And the place to go to check out what Dr. Jackson is talking about, simply education.msu.edu. And again, Dean Jackson, thank you so much for coming on the program today. Thank you. Glad to be here. That's Michigan State University College of Education Dean Gerlando F.L. Jackson. He's also an MSU Foundation Professor of Education. If you want to follow along on Twitter, it's Dr. J.F.L. Jackson, D-R-J-F.L. Jackson on Twitter. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.